0: Time travel isn't meant to be a get-out-of-jail-free card. Her mother's words of warning echoed in Anna's head as she prepared herself to travel one more time. She'd found a seat near the front of the bus, one of a number that faced inward, so she was looking out the opposite windows. Ten years ago, the first time Anna remembered time traveling, she'd been seventeen, driving fourteen-year-old David to pick up their cousin Christopher. A wall of snow had appeared across the road upon which they'd been driving, and when they'd crashed through it, they'd found themselves in medieval Wales. Unlike the other times she'd traveled, it wasn't their own lives that had been in danger in that moment, but Papa's. Both that day and this one had been gloomy December afternoons within an hour of sunset, Oddly, the turquoise color of the Cardiff bus wasn't far off from the color of her aunt's minivan, either. Today, however, it was raining instead of snowing, and it wasn't Anna driving the vehicle. The Cardiff bus was both bigger and smaller than Anna remembered. Bigger because it had been a long time since Anna had seen any vehicle larger than a hay cart, and most medieval ships were half the size of this bus— but it was smaller, too, barely seeming to hold, once they'd piled into it, the forty people they were taking to the twenty-first century. David, in his obsessive attention to detail, had built a well-graveled road expressly for this purpose. From the perspective of anyone who wasn't in on the secret, the road itself looked pretty useless. It started at the bus hangar outside Shangoshin and ended at the bottom of a cliff wall. David hadn't completely given the game away, because he'd had the road continue past the cliff until it reached a river. Still, one might wonder why such a magnificent road would end at a spot where there was neither a bridge nor a ford, and no road on the other side. If they made it through this, Math would have to build one. Of course, David had built the road this way on purpose— and it very much resembled one of those ramps that semi-trucks were supposed to use when their brakes failed while driving down a steep hill. In this particular case, however, there would be no braking involved. The bed of the road was made of rock and hardened earth, not sand, and the goal was to get the bus going as fast as possible by the time it hit the cliff, which was what had prompted Mom to comment on the relationship between monopoly and time travel in the first place that had been a few days ago. Anna, Mom, and Lily, David's wife, had been warming themselves on cushioned chairs near the fire in Anna's sitting room, not even pretending to work on the needlework at their feet that was the required pastime of every noblewoman in the Middle Ages, even those like Anna who hadn't been born to it. When Mom had added, it might not work, David, who'd been leaning against the frame of the door, had made a chopping motion with his hand, cutting her off. This is going to work. I know it. Anna had already had this argument with her mother, and lost, so she'd brought in what she considered to be the big gun, David, and was more than willing to let him make her point for her. David had been dressed, for once, as the King of England he was, in black leather boots polished so brightly they reflected the firelight, brown breeches and blue coat of the finest wool, and a silk shirt that wouldn't have been out of place in one of the fanciest clubs in London in any century. Or so Anna supposed, since she'd never been in one. Twenty-four years old in November, David's once baby round face had slimmed in the past few years as he'd grown into his body, and the pressures of being king of England weighed him down. When he'd arrived in Dinasbran, Anna had been shocked to see a few strands of gray amidst his normally sandy brown hair. He'd come with his family to celebrate Christmas and the tenth anniversary of their father's survival at Kilmery. Dinas Bran had been full to bursting with time travelers and medieval people alike. David had ditched his entire English retinue at Chester Castle in England. His English retainers should have known by now that such behavior meant he was up to something. But as he was the king of England, they had allowed themselves to be persuaded."